Welcome back everyone to another episode of the Local Success Podcast, where the mission is to admire, get inspired, and take action. I'm your host, Ricardo Flores. Today, I have the honor to be joined by a truly admirable and inspiring individual. He's a 70-year NFL veteran, a Hall of Fame inductee for Cal Poly State University, an incredible artist, but most importantly, a great father, husband, son, and friend, Chris Gokum. This conversation got real. Chris shares all about his NFL experience, including some amazing stories involving some big-time players. He opens up about the physical toll football has put on his well-being, how he has been able to overcome it, and how he has found fulfillment in other areas. Lastly, he shared his view on success, how he viewed it at the start of his career, and what it means for him now. I thank Chris for sharing his story with us, and I hope you get a lot from it. Enjoy the talk. Thank you, Chris, so much for being here today. I appreciate your time. I'm excited to talk to you about your life, your career, and what you're doing now. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you. So let's just start with a little bit about your high school career and how you got into football, and we'll go from there. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I, from from the get-go, I was I was always kind of like a um, just a doer, you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, I think Eve... As a freshman, or even before that, my, I had an older brother, two years older than me, and he, you know, this was like the golden age of football. Mm. This was like uh, early, mid-90s, and so this is like Varsity Blues era, you know. So um, I, I've, I saw these just big guys, and, you know, they had beers, and <laughs> they were like, I'm in middle school watching these guys, I'm like, I want to be like that. Masculinity is finest. Exactly. Um and, uh, you know, I, I got to high school and, and I was like, I was skinny, I was a little bit tall, um, and I just, I got myself in the weight room. I, luckily, I, I, I came in with a great coach named Cole Kandel, and he was very young, I think he was 27-ish, and he was just like, he had so much energy and excitement and all that, it was just, it was like osmosis, you could see it go through the room and it inspired all the kids and you know inspired me and it's since then it's kind of shaped my work ethic and shaped like how i approach things mm-hmm. um so um do you keep in touch with him it, it through you, you know i so i come from carpentry which is small town mm-hmm. so and you know i live in santa barbara now which is 15 miles away so right. I, I do through other people I, yeah so the um uh, it, it's coming from a, a small town. It, it you do kind of still keep those connections, which is it's a little bit of a double-edged sword because community it keeps you connected, but also everyone knows your business. And all mm. <laughs> yeah, I know how that goes. And if you reach some sort of success, it it um, um, it, it kind of puts a magnifying glass on you, but. Um, that's for that's for a you know that's a different topic. Right. Uh, so I found a little bit of success in a small school, and um, you know I, I don't know if you have played football or anything, but but it, it basically, especially in a small school where there aren't very many players, they put the people with the the most talent, you know, they put them at quarterback. And here I am, uh, my junior senior year, I was six three, two twenty, two thirty big dude yeah and i would i was quarterback and uh it was not 
not exactly my skill set, okay. but eventually it would kind of um, going out of your comfort zone. I realize is is important for the future, and I think that doing that it kind of gave me confidence to just try new things. Hmm. Um, uh, so it, 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 I I had a great high school experience, and uh, and it, it you know I I met my wife there. Um, we're still together. Amazing. <laughs> I don't know how many years, lost count. Um, <laughs> but it, it's, uh, it was enjoyable. So how was it, like you said, you're the quarterback of a high school team, right? That's a big deal. How did you deal with maybe the temptation or, or, or the things that come with high school partying and, and still trying to, the grades and keep up with the sport? Yeah, you know, I, I, um, I never really... I always had a different motivation. I, I, I was always um, kind of the contrarian, you know. Mm -hmm. so, so you'd see these everybody go and party. I, I didn't drink. My first drink, my my first beer was. Uh, I was twenty one. Mm -hmm. I was in college, and I had like a like a <laughs> Miller Highline or something, and it was. Yeah, I remember my first beer experience. <laughs> Gagged. But I I was into you know music and lifting and mm -hmm. and uh, and you know there, there i didn't have the temptation of girls because i was just i had a girlfriend and and i was happy and um so i didn't i it was it was simple you know it was like go to school go go work out go play football which i loved mm -hmm. and and you know enjoy life um do you think that was also part of your upbringing? Is that kind of how your family, your household was? So, yeah, I come from um, I come from a single parent uh, household, mm -hmm. and my mom is she's very I don't know how to, how to say it. She she's not one of these like football means everything sort of parents. Mm -hmm. it, and we so when my brother played, he had to you know um, convince her that, to play football and she she was always against it but she went to all the games she was very supportive um and i think I, i'm realizing as a parent now that sh there's so many other things that you don't realize when you're when you're younger that your parents are going through and so for her she's just trying to make ends meet you know i think at the time she was an accountant and this is you know in the mid 90s she's making twenty twenty nine thousand dollars a year and yeah. trying to put two kids, you know, like put food on the table. So it, it's, uh, it's a little bit eye opening, you know? And I, so my, my mom, she held us to a high standard. And so when something would happen, we'd say like, well, mom, all the other kids are doing it. And she would say, you're not, you know, she would hold us to a higher standard. You're not those other kids, hmm. you know, like you, you hold yourself to your, to this standard. So, um, and that has kind of been not my life philosophy, but it, it's kind of been the, the, the guardrails for my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. So obviously to make it in the NFL, like you did, it takes a lot of talent and you find that out early on. I feel like when was it the first time when you realized, I, I think I can do this? So, um, yeah, for, so to, to address the first thing, it's be, playing, playing in the NFL, you realize that the, it's not just talent. 
Hmm. You know, it's it's work ethic, it's luck, it's numbers, it's like sometimes you twist your ankle before your last game and, and then you don't get a chance to play. So it, it's a combination of things and I don't know why. I, I, <laughs> I, I loved playing football, but I never loved football. Hmm. Do you know what I mean by that? I can get an idea, yeah. I loved... Um, you were good at it also. I was good at it, but I never really didn't, didn't care to watch it. I still don't care to watch it that much. Um, but I enjoyed putting in the work and just like having a clear like, okay, that's that's where I'm going. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and so the you know, there's work in the weight room. There's cardio. There's sprinting. There's footwork. There's all this stuff that goes into it. Not to mention practice. Um, and then during the games, I was always um, excited to get a chance to kick somebody's ass. You're competitive. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, I, I don't, you, I mean, you could say it's competitive, but I loved, like, if, if I'm lined up across the guy, I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm gonna blast you. Yeah. It, it, there's no, that's just my nature. Um, I've calmed down since then, you know. <laughs> I was just like lion, and now I'm like a more like a, you know, like a house cat. Okay. So so I I found uh, kids calm me down, um, but it, it's uh, to get back to the NFL. I, I would say that um, my junior year, uh, I was I you know I played as a defensive end. High school or college. Uh, in in uh, in college. This is Cal Poly. At Cal Poly, mm. I was you know, still again small school. Mm-hmm. Um, I I found that that goal setting was was a great way for me to kind of just simplify things. So you know, there's goal setting in the weight room and there's goal setting and other stuff. But for me, it was like okay, you know, all I want to do is get one sack. I'm a defensive end, easy. You know, if it's a if it's a run, go tackle the guy with the ball. If it's a pass, go tackle the quarterback. Okay. Is it very very simple, right? So, <laughs> you say it. <laughs> well, it's, it's hard to get there because yeah. you could get there ten times with when the quarterback has the ball and he gets rid of it or you know you scramble away whatever. So the ten times you get there, you might get one sack. So it's it's and everything is within context, you know. Um, so the my goal was one sack a game, and that really was the thing that got me drafted. Because every time I'm like, I would not stop until I got that sack. Mm-hmm. And that goal made me like push harder. Like I would have a game where I'm just exhausted in the fourth quarter because I, the, the type of player I am, I'm sprinting every single like 100% going after the ball, you know throwing myself around and and it was if my conditioning wasn't there then it's like okay I, you know I'll mark that mentally and I'm going to work harder on that so um, it was a very simple goal but it it kind of built on itself and um, my I had a, a linebacker named Jordan Beck he got he was getting some looks from from scouts and he uh he he ended up getting drafted, and so as soon as as soon as he was drafted, I was like, oh shoot, like this actually might be a this actually might be like a 
a thing. Like I, I, I could have a, a chance to, to be drafted. Um, and the, the next year, I, um, I, I was, I set my goal to, you know, same thing, one sack a game, but this time I want to win defensive MVP of, of one double eight and mm. ended up that I did. And I, I got a chance to go to the combine and, you know, do, go through all that, the NFL draft stuff, which is just, you know, crazy. But, uh, it's, it's now that I look back on it, it's like, oh my God, how did, how did I do that? How did I go through all that stuff? <laughs> yeah. But it's like one step at a time. One know? step at a time. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. You said about goal setting. It's so important. And I feel like people are real at least i'm realizing now how important it is to just check one thing off the list it's like you said step by step and go from there um so at this point how is your mom taking maybe going to the nfl how did she view football at the time well um she is as moms are mm -hmm. you know i now that i'm retired I, I retired i don't know 10 years ago um i'm going through physical pain mm -hmm. you know like joints aching and and neck doesn't feel great and headaches and stuff like that so she's she's on me about like chris you gotta go see the <laughs> and you gotta get your neck surgery and all this so she's she's a typical mom in, in that way where she's very caring and it's like okay mom you know i'm doing a lot of other stuff but i'll get to that yeah you know so um but she is whenever i talk to her about football she's like i'm i'm very proud of you that you did that but i'm happy that you're out yeah same with me like i i love doing it but i'm i feel i feel that you know i i, I played to the point where i didn't enjoy it anymore okay and and then at that point i'm like okay i'm done so i'm happy with that decision i guess that answer one of my questions you don't really miss it i guess or i i do miss it um i find that in in the so I, for for my childhood and and early adulthood i was like in a state of survival you know mm -hmm. like make ends meet try to make money blah 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 and you kind of once you kind of get past that you 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 try to find success and redefine your your um what your meaning of success is and i think that it's um i it's hard to it's hard to put into words mm -hmm. but um yeah i i i um i'm i miss it in the way that you a boxer misses being able to just punch somebody got you know, it like yeah. I, I you get to a certain place in life where it's like oh well if you get into an argument with your neighbor neighbor might not like you so they end up suing you and my first instinct is like well i'm gonna go, go walk over and punch this guy's face right and then you know i don't I can't do that so it's it's a little bit i find that um i'm I felt like for a long time, I'm a boxer playing chess yeah. because my first instinct is like reach across the thing and just go, you know, knock this guy out. Yeah. But I can't do that. So you, you kind of have to force, it forces growth. 
Makes sense. You touched a little on success. How did you view it when you were maybe going into the NFL? Um, and has it changed or has it not changed to how you see it now? Yeah. Um, I always thought of success as, uh, as, as a house. You know, I grew up in these, hmm. and in Carpenter area, there's there's an area where there are, are a bunch of we call it Legoland, and okay. that's where I grew up. Hmm. And there there are a bunch of you know small apartments and uh, or townhouses, whatever you call them. And it's you, uh, they're great people, great community, um, and most of the people that live there are basically like field laborers or people. You know, when I was you know, in the nineties, now things are much different because prices are crazy. But, hmm. um, when I lived there, it was like, uh, a lot of Spanish speaking families. And, and so my, my idea of success was like the suburban, you know, three bedroom, two bathroom with a garage. That was my, you know, like, Oh my gosh, I'd drive through these neighborhoods. So I'd go to go to play at, at my friend's house and and like that was my idea like mm. having a big living room you know yeah <laughs> so so it's it's funny that it's funny how you it, it is nice to be asked questions like that because it, it it reminds me like okay now things are different and and now my idea of success is much much different so um and that's the growth. You know, mm. That's that's where it's like trying to actually define that is is hard as an adult. And how do you do? You think you've achieved it? Do you think ways to go? How do you view it now? How do you see it? So, <clears throat> I so in, in November, I had um, I had a bunch of things happen. Uh, I, I got into art. And I had this big art show in New York. Hmm. And as a new artist to, to go on Madison Avenue and, and have a show for a month, you would see that as success, right? And uh, at the same time, Cal Poly, a couple weeks later, Cal Poly inducted me into the Hall of Fame. Congratulations. And thank you. Um, which is a huge honor, but I'm like, I, I went, so all of these things happened in November of last of 22 and I was just like this is not even though this should be like the pinnacle of success hall of fame blah 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 all this stuff it doesn't feel successful to me mm -hmm. you know like I feel success when I'm chasing something and I'm enjoying chasing it so I don't think there's ever I don't think there's ever like reaching that I think if you think that that is what success is, if it's the big house, if it's the car, if it's the whatever, you know, I've had those cars, I've, I've had that house, and, mm -hmm. and it's not, it doesn't make you any happier. You know, it may be for a couple of days, but you become used to it, and then it becomes hard to maintain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, my, I've, I found through kind of personal growth and, and, and therapy and, and all these things and just listening to podcasts and, and audiobooks and all this stuff that the um, my views change to where it's more more journey driven you know more like okay I have a goal but getting to that goal doesn't mean like yes I made it, it it's it's just a 
place for me to point my energy and enjoy the work along the way. Mm, I love that. That's something I've been hearing lately is, you know, set a goal, reach that mountain and then find a higher one to reach. So you finished college and now you're going to the NFL. Talk a little bit of that experience, getting drafted, being part of that lifestyle. Oh, it was crazy. Um, yeah, my, so my my experience was a little bit different than most, you know, D1 athletes because coming from Cal Poly, I was this engineer. Basically, I was an engineer that played football because <laughs> I got a scholarship and that's how it Like, I, I, if it was up to me, I was like, I wouldn't have played football because I wanted to have that college experience, you know, but there was no other way for me to, to make ends meet besides trying to get a, a full scholarship, which I ended up, uh, my first year, I, they they gave me a full scholarship. Um, through playing? Through, yeah, playing football. Yeah. Um, so get, going into the draft was different because because of my size, um, I was 6'3", 275, you know, somewhere between 270, 275, mm-hmm. and uh, which is big but not huge right. in NFL standards as a defensive end. Um, and my skills were more geared towards like a 3-4 outside hybrid linebacker. Um, so a lot of teams, they wanted to see me in person. So uh, I went to the combine. A lot of teams are interested. I, I, you know, you do interviews and you sit down and you basically sit with the head coach, the GM, the owner, the you know, D coordinator and you talk to them and mm. it's like, <laughs> it's wild. It's, it, you're like, what am I doing here? You know, you, you kind of have these moments, but, um, and a lot of teams are interested. And so I had 11 workouts with, um, uh, D coordinators and, and, um, position coaches would fly out to Cal Poly and basically work me out for 45 minutes. Huh. And y- you, you think, you know, you hear that, oh, you're getting worked up for 45 minutes. It was the most grueling thing I've ever been through. Wow. So imagine you, you're you this young pup, college kid who just wants to show that he can, you know, do it. And you have a like an NFL D coordinator or head coach or whoever. And they're, they have a ball and some cones and they say, okay, we're going to work you out. And it's like, you're basically sprinting around for 45 minutes, which is, <laughs> which is and, and they, they're, they're, uh, I remember one of the, uh, I think it was Dallas. They mm-hmm. came out, I think twice and they worked me out. And each time they're like, Oh yeah, you know, you can, you can grab water. You can grab water. First time I grabbed water, he took out his little notepad and he wrote down, I'm like, Oh shoot. Like oh. I, maybe I shouldn't have grabbed the lottery. You know? <laughs> so, so there's always this like doubt and there, and, and there's this like, I think, I think, um, there's just a lot of fear, you know, there's like, I, am I good enough? You know, because I don't know, like it, it you forget about the things that you've done and then you kind of doubt yourself going in. So it was, uh, just a weird period, you know, very physical, very demanding, a lot of flying around. You know, you, you go to um, uh, my experience at the NFL Combine. Um, this was 2005, 2000. I was in the 06 draft. Okay. Um, 
so my experience, you know, I'm, I'm training and I'm like, just like a madman, just like going as hard as I can. And one of the scouts or some, somebody basically said like, Oh, Philly and the jets really, really like you. And they're probably going to draft you. And, and, uh, they said that you're going to be a linebacker. Hmm. So, um, have you played that before at that point? Never. Okay. Wow. That's <laughs> like, and for me, I'm like, I'm naive. I don't know much about football, even though I'm playing it. I'm like, okay, well, whatever, you know, linebackers just like a couple steps behind the D line. That's, that's no, you know, that's no big deal. But, um, so, um, here's this like big dude, 272 at the combine. Mm-hmm. I might, I might've cut down a little bit. I might've been in the two sixties, but, um, but I'm headed out to N- to Indy and uh, it's at the Colt stadium and you know, you're like, you, you have this idea in your head of what it's going to be. And it's much different. And, and you don't, the, there's small things that you don't take into account, which really, really affect how you perform. And one of the things that I didn't realize was that I'm on California time and Indy's on the East, East coast time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like the, how could you ever think of that? You know? right. So, um, I had done all this training and all this stuff. And my first day one, they're like, okay, you're going to be up at, at, you know, you're going to be on the field at like seven. So, you know, you should wake up by six and warm right. up and do all this stuff. Well, that's 3 a.m. for me. Right. I just got in the night before. And, you know, my body's like, what is going on? Why are you? <laughs> yeah. So it's, um, I just see it as an adventure. You know, I see it as like, I'm either good enough or not. And I'm either way, I'm going to give it my all. And so that it, there's no, there's no expectation except like, I'm going to go 100% and not regret whatever I leave on the, you know, my performance. Yeah. So, um, it was interesting. It was definitely interesting. That's awesome. A couple of questions I have in mind. Um, you say you didn't really watch too much football. Was there any teams that you wanted to go to that, or that you didn't want to go to? Or like you said, it's just get drafted and, and make it and go 100%? I didn't know. I didn't know anything about any team. Wow. I didn't know any coaches. I And <laughs> I actually have funny, a couple of funny stories. The, um, uh, <laughs> I, I, because I was this tweener, they call it, where it's I, either defensive end or linebacker, and, and so they have to work you out. A lot of teams flew me out. I went to Cincy, um, and, you know, it's during the off season. There are guys, there's a player lounge in, in all the different um, training facilities, and I'm out there, and, and, I see a bunch of guys are playing cards or whatever, and, and one of them comes up to me and and uh, and he's like, oh, what what position you play? I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm at either a defensive end or linebacker. And he's like, well, you, you think you can go one on one with me? He's like, yeah, sure. What position? He's like, well, I didn't realize it was Chad Johnson. And <laughs> that and is so all cool. The guys, all the guys that are playing playing uh, cards, they hear that and they're like, oh. Like, like it was an intentional burn on on Chad Johnson, who was in his prime. Right, you know? that's a Chosinko. Yeah, <laughs> and here's you know dumb old Chris. Like, <laughs> like I'm I'm smart, but I'm not 
not like smart in that way. You know, yeah. like, I, I don't, I don't really watch and and uh, um, the. I mean, I just have so many stories. The ended up, I got drafted by Philly, number pick number seventy one in the third round, uh, pick number seven in the third round, seventy one overall. Wow. Um, and it was the weirdest experience. I was I was on the phone with Eric Mangini, I think okay. at the time, or maybe it was maybe it was his his GM. I don't mm. remember, but. Um, he he they called me up and i heard from my agent like pick number 71 like look to be picked around that time and uh and they call me and it, it's like i can it's coming up and i'm talking to the gm and he's like so how's it going you know what, what are you what are you doing you guys throwing a party and, <laughs> and i'm like yeah yeah and and he's just stalling he's keeping me on the phone and meanwhile i'm getting four or five missed calls from this Philly number and I'm not going to hang up on the GM of the Jets right. you know and so I'm like I don't know what to do you know? like, <laughs> like a 20 year old kid and there's this there's this uh, unseen game of chess going on this NFL draft you know that it's a whole strategizing and positioning because of salary caps and stuff like that so it turned out um, my name pops up and all I see is Chris Gokong drafted, you know, pick number 71. I'm like, oh, my God, you know, go crazy. Everybody's going crazy. And I'm saying thank you to the coach. And he hangs up. He hangs up on me. Wow. And I'm like, what just happened? Well, it turned out that in the background, Philly was trading with the Jets. Okay. Uh, because it the, the lower you get chosen in the draft, the lower they have to pay you, you know, okay. salary and, and your signing bonus and stuff. So they, they were trading down because they felt like they could do that and I wouldn't be picked up in the next few picks. And they were keeping me on the phone because they knew that Andy Reid only drafts people if he calls them on the phone and talks to them. Wow, that's so, so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it, it, um, But you didn't talk to them and you still got chosen. I, they still cho- I think they might have called my agent or something like that. I, okay. I don't. I don't know. I still am unclear on that. But That's it crazy. was just like I'm going to the Jets, and then also I'm like, I'm going to Philly. <laughs> <laughs> like it didn't matter to me because I'm right. this California kid who doesn't know anything about either. East Coast. Yeah, and talk about culture shock. You go from small town California to to Philly, you know, and here. People might know players at SC or whatever. They don't know Cal Poly players. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I go from this unknown person to this, like, if, you, if you're, like, the backup punter, if you're the long snapper, whatever, you're known. You're a celebrity within the Philadelphia area. And, uh-huh. like, they're so passionate and that passion is a double-edged sword. Right. You know, it can go either for you with free meals and, and appearances and all this stuff. But if you lose to Dallas, you lose to you know, big game, it can go completely against you. And you gotta you gotta shelter in your house. <laughs> you were telling me earlier, you just if you lose, you don't go out. <laughs> you don't go out. You don't go out. Yeah. Um, but it, it it was just uh, it was a fun time in my life. Um, I. But it was also just like the most grueling and demanding time 
too. So it, it's it's I, I noticed that that with the highest highs come the lowest lows. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And when did you find marriage again? You married your wife? That's when I married, I think, 2007. So we, I don't even know how long right. we've been together. Our, our 16th anniversary is coming up in June. Got it. And how was it for her to deal with an NFL player? I mean, it doesn't seem like you changed much, right? But it's still, you know, managing the schedule and traveling and all that. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the nice thing for me is that the, just the way that I am, you know, I'm not like one of these like, oh, I'm going to go out to the club and be like, I, I could care less about that. I don't yeah. want that. You know, I don't want, not that I don't enjoy doing that. Mm-hmm. I just don't like staying up late. Yeah. You know, like, I like being by myself and, and like, it's, you know, I'm, I, I, people kind of describe me as like an old soul. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know if, what, what that actually means, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's, um, it was nice because she would take care of, of like the logistical stuff, you know, paying bills, like mm. doing, being the CEO of the house and running the house and doing all that stuff. And I would just play football and, and it's, um, it's surprisingly, the days are long, you know, Wednesday is the start of the week for, mm-hmm. for football players. And um, so Wednesday, Thursday, you usually in there like 6.30, 7 a.m. Um, and then you probably get out at 6, 6.30. Um, and, uh, and same with Thursday. And then Friday is a little bit shorter and then Saturday is short and then the game. Right. So it's, it's this constant cycle of grinding 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 and you're physically you're physically run down you know just from banging heads so much and mentally you're so you're giving so much energy to like every single week you're learning a new playbook you're like studying film you're doing all this stuff so it's like it's mentally taxing and the last thing you want to get home and do is go home and write bills and yeah do do all that stuff. So it's it was nice having it like a support system and allow you to focus on what you yeah. were meant to do. A couple of things. How were off seasons? Was there ever a time where you said I'm done, or was it just recharge and go for the next one? Yeah, I would. So the at least when I was playing, um, the the we had the first couple of years. Our first training camp was was four weeks long. And then, so you're, I'm at, you're, imagine being like in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, which has the worst, humid, hot summers, and you're grinding, you know, you're there for four weeks, and uh, about two and a half weeks into it, you have your first preseason game. So you're, um, you're going through the preseason, you have four preseason games, and then you have 16 games, but it's actually 17 because there's a bye. And right. You don't actually get the buy off, you know. Uh, so there's 21 weeks plus an extra couple of weeks of of training camp, and then if you go to the postseason, there's more weeks. So mm. you're 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 grinding. Like yeah. if 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 I could describe, it's hard to even describe. Right. Like it's like every single season is is going through going to war constantly going every single week you're going to war 
and and you're you're it's it's almost like you're a race car where it's like you do whatever you can do and and need to do to be able to play on Sunday because if you don't play on Sunday there are a hundred other people that that are cheaper than you and they would be willing to play mm. <laughs> you know yeah. um, so I at the after the season was over I needed to unplug so I would go to Carpinteria I'd rent a little little beach house mm -hmm. and I'd be there for three weeks and I would literally like my 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 thing was like do nothing mm, you know, sounds like, so nice like, <laughs> don't get in the weight room don't you know, let your body recover. You know, it's it's physical and mental recharging. And then at a certain point, that that need, that drive kicks back in, and you're like, okay, I feel good. I'm gonna go back back in the weight room. I'm gonna get back on the field and do some field work. And um, that was kind of my approach to it. Okay. And then you spend most of your time with the Eagles. Um, how was the experience getting traded? Did that motivate you more or less? How was that for you? Yeah, I was, um, I didn't know what to expect. It was nice though, because I had, um, I was traded to a team where the, the, the GM that had drafted me at Philly, uh, Tom Heckert, mm -hmm. who since passed, um, he, he went to, uh, the Browns along with a couple of staff members and, uh, he wanted me. So he, he was the one that that um that made that that trade happen so i mm -hmm. at least i knew you felt wanted i felt wanted mm -hmm. i felt like there was like a little bit of like of um of a few people that that were it wasn't brand new you know so um i, I just didn't know what to expect but once you kind of get over that like the first day you know like the first day of school sort mm -hmm. of thing um it's just football and it's just guys, and they're just trying to do their best, and and they're they're trying to make the team every every day, and so it's it's just oh okay, this is really no different. I would say that the mentality was much different going from Philly to Cleveland, um, just because at the time, uh, you know, Cleveland was going through a rough rough period, and. The uh, I did notice that just the overall expectation to win wasn't like as it might have been there with individuals, but it wasn't there with the entire like body of the team. Yeah. You know. And how about relocating? You know, you start your life somewhere, and then you have to go somewhere else, or was it just more? I'm playing; it's gonna be over soon. It was. I keep things simple. Hmm. You know. So we. I lived five minutes away from, from the complex. Uh, I lived in Berea, great neighbors, great people, really cool people, you know. It, 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 um, so it, it was, my experience was people in Cleveland were just super nice, you know. Um, and and I remember a few times just being shocked after a game where like, we'd have a close game. It was always, we always had a good defense and our offense was a little bit, you know, three and out and punk. Mm. So, so we would lose like we would lose like ten to seven, mm. and and uh, I would head to my car afterwards, and and you'd see some of the fans, and and they'd be like, "Good game, like you almost won," and I'm I'm like, 
Holy shit. You know, in Philly, it was, if if you if you killed the other team and you had a bad last series, they throw snowballs at you. That's crazy. It's <laughs> <laughs> different people. You know? Yeah. A um, little bit you touched on fears and how what's something you use in life to overcome fears or overcome those obstacles when you got the self-doubt? What's some advice you can give to people that are maybe, you know, they want to take a step and to do something, but it's that fear, that imposter syndrome, as they call it, yeah. that, that doesn't allow them to take that step. What's something you've done in your life to overcome that? So I think that there are a few... I, I, I know a lot of very, very capable people, and I think that sometimes it's just taking the first step. Taking the first step is the hardest. Mm -hmm. Writing a novel, writing that first sentence is the hardest thing. For me, when I paint, it's like, some, I'll sit there and I'm like, oh, I don't want to paint. And, then, and so I'm like, I'm just going to start. Mm -hmm. And once you start, then it puts you on that road. Now, fear, I, I realized after a time that basically I, I had been making fear-motivated decisions my entire life. And it's hard to break out of that when you find success through that, you know. So um, it, as a football player, it's like I'm scared of getting cut. So what do I need to do? I need to just train harder, you know. And, and so there's this like hard headedness of like, I'm just going to train through it, you know. But that doesn't always work. The thing that I found is, is if you look at if you look at, um, I mean, you know, just if we can, we can go the Buddhist realm on this, you know, duality. Um, you have light and you have dark. So light implies that there is darkness, right? So fear is, I would think of fear as like darkness. Mm -hmm. So when I find myself in that mentality of like, oh shit, I, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Like you look at the the world economy and all this stuff and inflation and all this stuff and you start to get like like this fear coming up so my my strategy is is find the opposite of that like what is what is the opposite um uh like it's hard it's hard to describe but you know the opposite of fear would be bravery hmm. or it could be however you would would kind of see it you know a lot of people would would um oh i have a great story oh, i have a great story go for it <laughs> uh, so i i would say embodying the opposite of that okay. in the in the face of everything you're, you're facing um one thing this this um and this this story has always stuck with me uh the I think he's in the Hall of Fame, Brian Dawkins. Mm. I love telling this story. I, I talk to kids, um, you know, in, in class and stuff, and and I always happen to tell the story because it, it 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 just it really just sticks with me. The um, Brian Dawkins, if for people who don't know, is this Hall of Fame safety uh, who played at Philadelphia for a long time, and the man is just is just this effing savage mm. you know like on the field he is this like superman and if you listen go do yourself a favor 
go listen to YouTube and listen to like a Brian Dawkins mic. Okay, I okay. think and I have like, actually. And you you hear this and and he's just like, holy shit! <laughs> like, the, <laughs> I have a couple funny stories. That yeah, my locker is right next to him, but um, it, my game locker. Uh, so what? It, I don't know anything. You know, rewind a little bit. I don't know the guy. I didn't know him coming into playing football, going into Philly, just because I don't watch football. Mm-hmm. And so in at the Novacare, the Philadelphia practice complex, there, uh, you walk into the practice locker room, and his his he had two lockers. Uh, he had a locker, the first two on the right, as he walked in, and there was like his locker, Brian Dawkins, number 20, and then next to that locker, there was like this one that said Weapon X on it. And I'm like, <laughs> like, what is that? And and in it, there are all these Wolverine characters, and there's like all this like memorabilia that has to do with Wolverine and stuff. And I would just walk by it every day. I'm like, I don't understand what that is, mm. you know. And and why does this guy have two lockers? You know, that was the other thing. And uh, <laughs> I don't know how it came up. But I think I might have asked him, or, or I can't remember. But um, he he came up to me. I think I had like a, a good game against the Giants, where I just I, you know, blasted a few people, and and he saw like potential in me or whatever. Yeah. Um, so he had a he just he he, it wasn't a long conversation, but it was it was very uh, had an effect on me. He he came up to me and said um, that he's like, Chris, when you, when I'm, when I'm on the field, well, first of all, there's Brian Dawkins, right? There's his locker. And then there's the other locker weapon X weapon X. (laughs) So he would, he told me that, you know, Brian, great guy, you know, he's a very, um, he's a religious guy and, and he's, you know, just, super nice and anybody could talk to him and he's you know great great guy to talk to but you get on the field and he's rambo you know like he's <laughs> savage he's like like this killer and and he told me basically like when he goes onto the field he's not brian dawkins he becomes weapon x so he has this character in his head wow. and he becomes that character and he's like and it's it's like um, embodying uh, this invincible person, you know, like Wolverine, who is Weapon X. Wolverine is he's indestructible, you know, like his 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 bones are made of what is it, adamantium. Or like that. <laughs> yeah. So in his head, he's like this Superman, and so on the field, that is who he is. You know, he's Daniel Day-Lewis. Like, he's in character, and he what? is, like, nuts. <laughs> and off the field, it's like, Switch. he becomes Brian Dawkins. Wow. So, so that was like, oh, shoot. Like, I don't have to be, I don't have to be, like, I can be whoever I want. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I can embody, I can have a person in my head and say, what would this person do? And, and eventually, like, you embody that. And so I, I think that it's just like inspiring. It's inspiring for kids, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of them, they doubt themselves. And it's like, well, if you're doubtful, I bet that, you know, if you have stage fright, Beyonce doesn't have stage fright. 
But even then, you go to Beyonce, and she has this thing. Right. You know, she's got like Sasha Fierce. Mm-hmm. That's that's her like Weapon X person yeah. character. So it's I, I think I don't know the psychology behind it, but it, it is a successful person basically told me that's what they do and it's like shoot that makes a lot of sense yeah you know so. you started doing that leaving that chris the quiet chris behind on the off the field and you got on the field and boom i i yeah and at a certain point you um i think it melt it kind of it's hard to to distinguish the lines you know so at a, per, a certain point like it bleeds over into your personality you know so so you you have to be very intentional about like who you are and, and, and like, because you, if you look at like Heath Ledger, mm-hmm. you know, he, he became the Joker. Right. And, and I'm sure that that kind of bled over into, you know, I, I don't know the, the backstory, of yeah. that, but I can see how, how that it, it affects you psychologically. Right. So you have to be able to, to, to say, okay, I'm done with that persona back to reality in a way. Yeah. Um, and just just being clear of, of where you're going, you know, mm-hmm. being intentional about like, okay, here, here, this is my goal, and I don't know if I can do it, but the character I have in my head can do it. Mm-hmm. So um, I like that strategy. You know, I you could say it's a fake it till you make it. Right. I wouldn't. I wouldn't exactly put it that way. I I would say it's like you are um, like uh, like channeling. Uh, the characteristics of a person or a, or a, like a being, you know? So it, it's, um, I, I just, I love that for some reason. Is that something you still use nowadays for your art or in the sea of the gym? I know, and you say your physical pain and all, <laughs> you still go kind of crazy there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that's, no, that's just me. <laughs> I, uh, being, being in the it's a little bit counterintuitive, but, but, uh, you know, a rolling rock gathers no moss, right? Mm-hmm. So I find that I've tried both. I've tried just not doing anything, and my body feels much worse. And not only that, but I think um, just my theory as as a football player who's used to if you if you can imagine what it's like running down the field on a kickoff. Mm-hmm. This is before they move the kickoff kick off up and all the wedge rules and stuff mm-hmm. you had to run down there like a like a effing you know middle ages warrior <laughs> and like like you're going into like a roman battle and you're you're like ah, yeah but we just don't have swords right That's, so um it, it's it's uh i lost my track of thought the the this there's this mentality that that I would always kind of find myself in and and it it, it it's like a skydiver who always needs these endorphins you know mm-hmm. so the having a physical outlet you know to just 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 you know push push and pull as hard as you can right it makes me feel better in my head so um i'm not 
I'm not an asshole. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I get that. A couple other things. I know you say you weren't too much into watching football, so you didn't know the players, but I know one of your first tackles was against Tom Brady, who at that time was already cemented himself as one of the goats. So Mm -hmm. do you remember how that felt, or was it more of just another tackle? Yeah, so that was, uh, I think it was a third down. I think it was mid to, I think it was, it was at Gillette Stadium. Mm. Um, I remember being really tired, and and uh, I came off the edge, and he stepped up a little bit, and basically, I mean, it was like a gimme sack, you okay. know. But for me, my first thought, I'm like, holy shit, I'm gonna I'm gonna tackle Tom Brady, and tackle him, <laughs> and I'm, I looked at I looked at the 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 the, the sticks, you know, the the. Mm-hmm. The, the yard line, and it's, it was behind the line of scrimmage. I'm like, oh, that's a sack. I sacked Tom Brady, and it was mm-hmm. my first. And so I was like, all of this is going on within like a sixteenth of a second, and like I'm just start going crazy. And 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 the uh, I can't remember who the tackle was. He he like pushes me off Tom, and and Brady stands up, and I remember looking at him, being like. He's really tall. <laughs> that was my first thought. He's ta- too taller than you. He's like he's got to be like six five. Oh wow! Okay, I'm like six three. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember thinking, yeah, this guy's really really tall. And and uh, it was a short celebration because maybe it wasn't third down because we had to go right back. You know, it was like right back to the huddle. Yeah. And and uh, it um, the <laughs> um. It, it was it was fun, but it was like, um, it's within the context of the game. Mm. It was like a couple seconds, right? And then you're back to to your job. To, to one story that that's always fun to tell is um, my I, it might have been my first touchdown, defensive touchdown. I uh, Brian Dawkins was uh, it was versus Dallas at Dallas Stadium. I forget what the stadium's called, but uh, they were backed up. Tony Roma's at quarterback. It's like I can't remember. They were on like their 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 own ten or their own. You know, they're close to their own end zone. Um, and uh, Brian Dawkins comes off the edge and he strips Tony Romo, and the ball's bouncing around in mm-hmm. the end zone. I I'm also coming off the edge, and there's the ball. I hop on the ball, touchdown. So I'm like going nuts, and it's like a, it's got to be like a Monday night football or oh. Sunday night football, something like that. Because there's prime time, prime time. There's camera, there wire cameras and stuff, and like stadium, you know, our team's going nuts, and um, I'm like ah, you know, going crazy, and I, I'm you, you. I wanted to keep the ball, so I'm like walking off to the sideline giving the ball everybody's giving me high fives you know coach reed and jim johnson everybody they're all you know congratulating me and stuff and i'm just like at had such a high you hmm. know and like endorphins all, all my adrenaline and then and then i hear chris chris and i'm like you know somebody else wants to congratulate me or something <laughs> nope it was uh i think it was at the time jim harbaugh was special coach uh-huh and I had to go and run kickoff. So we, wow. <laughs> I go from this like huge adrenaline rush to, you gotta go run kickoff. 
I was so exhausted. Like, like that, that taught me as a player, like it's, um, you you got, you need to know the context of the game and, and, and like kind of save your breath, save your, (laughs) save your lungs a little bit. So that way later. Yeah. I I mean, some of these receivers, they've got these pretty, uh, crazy dances and stuff, but I was like, I never had that. (laughs) <laughs> that's so cool um let's talk a little bit about you retired 10 years ago you said and art you found recently how were those in between those 10 years what was your life about how was it and how did you even get into art so um yeah the the, the transition out of football um was was rough uh the i i so i i was I was basically like a high-paid linebacker at, at Cleveland. I, mm. I, they extended me, and then they gave me a new contract, and so I, I was one of the higher-paid players. Paid players, and um, it, it's it just so happened that in training camp of my seventh year, the um, the previous owner I'm forgetting his name right now, but. Um, he sold Cleveland Browns to a new owner, Jimmy Haslam. Mm. And uh, during training camp, it was a couple days before the first preseason game, uh, Mr. Haslam came to go come visit Cleveland. And he wanted to, you know, basically kick the tires on the new car he just bought. And so uh, he comes to practice and wouldn't you know it, I tore my Achilles tendon. Ugh. And not only that, my medial malleolus, which is like the, the inside ankle bone, uh, it snapped off. Ouch. And it was, a, it was a big injury. I was 29 years old, and um, I knew that that was the end for me. You okay. know? And, and secretly, uh, in the last year, last two years I've been playing, the hits were feeling different, like w- with my, like I was noticing, like, ah, oh, like my brain wasn't feeling right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, I basically rehabbed my my ankle, and the uh, I don't know how many months later I got cleared by the doctors. And as as it goes in the NFL, um, I got a phone call about four minutes later. As soon as I was cleared, I was walking out of the the medical complex where they cleared me and uh it was a head coach and he said hey chris um uh bring in your playbook uh we're we're parting ways with you Oof. and i mean it, it was expected but yeah. i didn't expect it like three or four minutes after it was right <laughs> <laughs> but anyway um so i was at this point where i'm like I don't know. I, you know, I think I'm done. Um, and my, my agent, uh, was like, you know, he he was trying to get me to play more. And I'm, I'm like, my body doesn't, I knew my body didn't feel great. I knew my head was feeling weird. And, um, so I decided, you know, what, what I might as well, just so I don't regret it. I might as well go and do a few tryouts okay. and just see how my body feels and just to, you know, test run it. And, and if it doesn't, then I'm, I'll hang it up. So I had a few, uh, workouts and, 
and they went well and I got offers from the teams huh. and um, but I knew that it was like my body doesn't feel right you know my ankle isn't 100% it's gonna take quite a few prescriptions and toward all shots and all that stuff to mm-hmm. get through season so I, I think I'm done so I, at that point I made that decision like I'm retiring hmm. and <clears throat> in you always see these players retire and they're like they go up to the podium and everybody's they retire and they cry and you know people clap and stuff but if you're not like that guy if you're not tom brady or Mm -hmm. or the if you're not a goat you're just not playing anymore right (laughs) and uh so i i moved back to carpinteria which is a small town Mm -hmm. and um and i was just there and it, it was it was a period of transition we um we had uh uh, my, at the time, my wife was pregnant, and um, her her mom was was going through the uh, end stages of life in her house, and so it, it. I think for me, it was the perfect time to be there for my family. Right. Um, the thing, you know, you fast forward those four or five years, I didn't realize how. Um, when you're so focused on doing one thing, you're, you're so like pointed in this direction that you don't realize like you don't have time to just be with yourself and be quiet. And once you retire from football, you get a whole lot of that. Right. So I realized that I'm not doing so well. You know, like my brain's not great right now. And I'm like, and you got a lot of time on your hands and there's like alcohol and there's weed and there's all this stuff nearby. And it's like every day, Saturday, this is going to be the best time of my life. It turned out to be the worst time of my life because if every day, Saturday, you don't look forward to anything. Mm-hmm. And so you become like just directionless, you know, it's like you're in the middle of the ocean with, with no rudder and no sails and you're just like floating around and lost. So, um, I decided, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta get a hold of this. Like, my head doesn't feel right, and I'm not, my body doesn't feel great, and I need to be proactive. Otherwise, I can see myself like, I got a lot of teammates who aren't doing great. So yeah. I, I um, got myself into therapy. You know, I, I find that going and working out every day keeps me like physically in good shape, but also mentally, and, yeah. mostly mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I found a good routine that kind of works for me, meditation, um, and then painting. Hmm. Painting just kind of like came up, like it was presented to me. And <laughs> so you were an artist as a kid. It was not, I, I could draw. Okay. Because uh, I've seen your art, is incredible. <laughs> um, it, it, it's, it, for me, it just, it started as like a way to calm my brain. I, I was going through... So, um, if you can imagine hitting your head every single day, 100, 200, 300 times a day is hard, you know, like running at stuff and, and hitting this wood table here. You know, <laughs> like, if you, if you can imagine that, like, I played 16 years total. So, four, four high school, five college, seven pro. Yeah. 16 years of that. And then 
you can't expect your brain not with this like gelatinous mass inside of your skull. You can't you can't expect that not to have certain injuries. Right. right? So I started noticing like really bad anxiety, like just stupid at the drop of the hat, all of a sudden like panic attack for no reason. Yeah. And, um, you know, claustrophobia or like just terrible depression and just all these things that are like, this isn't, I don't like this, you know, this is not a sustainable thing. You know, I'm not going to be able to live life if this is what I have to go through. At this point, you have family, so you be yeah. present as a father, as a husband. Yeah, and it, it affects your your you as a person because you're like constantly agitated. And so having a toddler, you know, imagine like going through brain trauma issues and having a toddler. And and I, you know, I I that's really what kind of got me out of it was like this. The you know, I was I was raised with a dad that had anger issues, and I saw myself like one day like ah, like yelling at my one year old, and I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, and it, it's it was like a turning point. You know, it's pivotal for me because I'm like, I can't. Not only am I not going to be able to survive this if I don't do any, do anything about it, but I'm just going to perpetuate the cycle that I went through as as a as a kid with my dad. Mm-hmm. So I decided to take a hard right turn and like, you know, seek help and, and do things that are good for my brain. Um, do you think your ego kind of made it hard to do that or was it more of a dip doing this for my family? I, um, oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure that that ego played a role, but I, I think that in general it's fear, you know, um, there, there is the worst part about, CTE um, is is that is not knowing you know so you're you know you imagine me at the time I was 30 33 34 years old and I'm having issues with like remembering short-term stuff I'm having issues with like spatial awareness and just these weird random things and so you know, I'm going to doctors and like, yeah, you, you basically have like, they, they call it, um, they can't diagnose CTE. They can only diagnose like symptoms of CTE. Hmm. So they're, they're, they're talking about, you know, like, yeah, basically like you have symptoms that correlate with CTE and early stage dementia. Wow. And I <laughs> hear that Yeah. as a 30 something year old, you're like, what do I do? And they're like, well, there's nothing really that not only can we not diagnose you, but we can't it, what's done is done. Right. And I'm like, no, that's not right. Like I, I can't do that, something that no, yeah. like, um, so, but there's this, the, the worst part was the fear, you know, I'm like, shoot, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to go off the deep end and shoot myself or, or like what? You know, this this constant fear of like losing your mind and becoming. My grandfather died of Alzheimer's, or he had Alzheimer's uh, late stage of his life, and I saw what that looked like, and I'm like, I don't want that. So either I'm gonna go off and you know go off myself, mm-hmm. or I'm gonna like figure this out. So there. <laughs> I know that sounds terrible. It's real. I mean, that's that's the real like 
this is what it is to be a football player. You yeah. know, you, you, you traumatize your brain and then you have to deal with it afterwards. Um, so I, I, uh, I knew that I needed to find help and, and it, I have found a way to kind of be proactive with you know, like learning new languages, painting, meditating, all this stuff. But mostly it's dealing with fear. Hmm. So I'm not as fearful and I'm more like, you know what? If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And I'm not going to let the future uh, kind of um, dictate how I'm going to feel right now. Present. So, yeah. Wow. And so now art is your outlet. You've gotten, I mean, you've done some amazing stuff. I've seen some of your work, Biggie, Tupac. Where is that leading? Where do you see that going in the future? I, I know better than to, uh, than to try to um, uh, direct where my life is going because mm -hmm. I mean, like a couple of years ago, I'm like, I would have never thought I would be showing on, in, on Madison Avenue, you know, or, or just an artist in general. And, um, but it, for me, it's like, I just enjoy it. Mm. I, I love, I love sitting there and just like looking at, at a creation that I'm making. And, and, uh, for me, it, it's, it's, um, Playing football, it doesn't sound like they're they're connected. Playing football and doing art, but it very much is because mm -hmm. as a football player, if you think you're too slow, you know, especially defensive football player, um, you have to be completely intuitive, you know. And yeah, you might. There's a lot of back end work, which is like film and knowing the guy across from you and all these things, but on the field, you cannot think, you know, there, there's, um, I was a signal caller at Cleveland and, and like, there is a period of thinking where you, you're subbing in your guys, you're calling the defense, you're rolling your safeties, you're doing all the stunts for the D line. And then it's like, whew, okay, now let's play. Hmm. And you just clear your mind and, and you, you use your gut. So, um, because things happen so fast. But that really translated for me to art, where I'd start something and I'd just be like in it, you know, I'm just doing stupid stuff. <laughs> and then I'd stand back and like you you get in this period of not thinking and really that's what I enjoy about it is like it, it puts me in that state. Some people call it flow state. Some people call it, you know, like, like presence or being present or whatever. Mm -hmm. But for me, I'm, I don't know what it is, but I, I like being there so mm -hmm. that art puts me there. Wow. Pretty awesome. Fun final question. Um, you finished life the way you want to end. Everything's gravy. How do you want to remember? How do you want people to remember Chris Gokong? So that that's, I mean, first of all, it's, a, that's a, that's a very philosophical. I enjoy philosophical <laughs> questions. <but laughs> I, I think that I want people to not remember what I did, but mm. I want people to remember the energy that I brought. Mm. You know, like I, I, I hope that the, the listeners and, and you can feel m my passion for, for life. And, um, and that's it. Like yeah, the, all the stats 
all that other stuff I can care less. You know, like that doesn't matter. Mm. You know, it's it's how the the energy you brought and the way that you affected others in, in relationships and really, you know, I want to be known as a person like a like a a person who who help other people who put their all into everything and and you know past that it's like you know i don't i don't see stats as as like a thing to remember i see it as like the energy of a person you know so i i, I hope to be to be remembered as like um as as a person with great energy who who is always putting their all into everything awesome i mean there's that confirms why I had you on this podcast. That's exactly what I saw when I met you a few years ago and what I see in your life. So really appreciate you sharing all that. One final question. Super Bowl coming up. I know you're not watching much, but it is your Eagles. You yeah. Have, are you going to watch it? You have a pick? <laughs> yeah, no, to talk about, if you talk about energy, um, I, okay, uh, I will admit I've, I've watched more Eagles games than Chiefs games. Uh, I know, I know, um, I know Andy Reid, I know how he preps, and I completely respect hmm. that. And he is, uh, he's... Well, yeah, it's your old team and your old coach, and they yeah, didn't put yeah, it together, yeah. yeah. And I think Spagnolo, Steve Spagnolo, who is my my linebackers coach, he's the D coordinator there. So I, I know a lot of the, the, you know, there's highly skilled, and, and so so is the, the play, so are the players. But when I look at the two teams, Philadelphia just expects to win. Hmm. And that's that reminds me of Tom Brady and and the uh, the Patriots, you know, that in that in that run. And so I, I feel like if you're just going based off of like you could call it swagger, you could call it expectation or whatever. I'd say Philly has it. Okay. You know, they, they've got that like, you know, we might be behind, but we're going to win this, you know. Um, so. I'm for Philly. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate you taking the time for this. It was a really cool conversation. Um, really enjoyed it, and I wish you the best in your art. Anything people you want to plug your art at all on your Instagram? or? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 go check out at Chris Gokong on Instagram. Uh, I mean, it really, it's, yeah, I mean, it's art-based, but it's just kind of my life. You know, awesome. and, and yeah, go, go check it out. Thank you, Chris. Really appreciate it. Hopefully, catch up next time. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for listening today. This was such an incredible conversation to have with a man who has so much to share, and I hope it inspired you as much as it inspired me. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the five star rating and follow the podcast on Instagram at local.success. See you next time.